Welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome to our spoiler-free review for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. Cowabunga, dude! Hello, I'm J-Law, but you can call me Justin, and if you're joining us for the first time, well, we are Geek-Centric, a podcast covering the world of movies, TV shows, toys, collectibles, gaming, and all things Geek-Centric. Joining me for today's Mutant Mayhem review... We have two heroes in a half shell, Meg and Nate. How are you both doing? Dude, we're doing. Lean, we're green and we're mean. Okay. Pretty much. Nice. <laughs> nice. Well, I, I am absolutely excited. I, I know you guys know that. Uh, this has been a long time coming. Uh, I, this is one of my most anticipated, if not my most anticipated movie yeah. of this year. Uh, wow. And that has a lot to do with my history with the Turtles and my enjoyment with them. Uh, but, you know, before we get into things, I, I wanted to ask you guys, what's your history with the Turtles? How were you introduced to these iconic pizza-loving, eating dudes? Uh, Meg, why don't we start with you? Well... Uh, this should be super interesting. I was introduced to the turtles today. <laughs> um, I obviously like understand that they've been a part of our culture, our pop culture, I should say, since the comics were out and then the cartoons and movies and stuff when we were kids. But I felt like out of all of the action things that were around in our childhood, this one specifically was very boy-centric mm. and didn't really appeal to a lot of girls. I'm sure there are girls out there who love the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but sure. it just wasn't like, it didn't feel forced on me. Mm -hmm. And I think there's other things like the Power Rangers, where at least they had... Yep. Uh, a couple girl Power Rangers to sort of look up to. Yeah. Um, so it just was never a story or a group of characters that I was attracted to. Um, now this movie was announced and the trailers and stuff were coming out. And as an animation geek, holy moly, this pulled me in. So I was really excited to watch this movie too. Yeah, I think that's a great call out too to think that back, in the uh, early 80s, I think it was 87 when the cartoon came out, you know, it was probably a more boy-centric uh, TV show and it was targeted that way, you know, with action figures and stuff like that and mm -hmm. how toy companies really did create a sense of, you know, uh, gender paths, if you will, uh, for, for how sure. they targeted uh, certain things. But yeah, today's is definitely different. I think that there's probably m girls that are into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or found their found the interest in it outside of just the movies and and other things like that. It could be comics as well because uh, there's there's a, a very lengthy history of comics. But yeah, I'm I'm glad that this has been your this was your first introduction. It was it was it sounds like it would it was the perfect way to introduce the turtles. Oh, to fantastic! Mm -hmm. Nate, how about you? I know you're wearing a big turtle shirt right now I so. a turtle shirt um you know i would love if if uh if venus de milo uh was to ever show up in any capacity in the future of uh this version of the turtles but no i you know i was introduced to the turtles uh through my cousin uh shout out to my cousin david um where he <laughs> he just like those toys the original toys for the turtles are the most indestructible things in the <laughs> world, I think, um, because I just remember him like chucking them around and like tossing them all over the place and they would never, uh, apparently he did get in trouble for breaking a window with one of his turtles uh, at one point. Um, but no, that was kind of where I was introduced to them was just like these like, these really interesting looking action figures. I think that was the biggest thing was like, they were action figures that looked so different from anything else that I had seen before. Uh, and the characters were, I, I, my favorite th aspect about all of them was it's just like, it was very chonky, like really thick. chunky, yeah. thick yeah. characters with thick arms and like really robust. You you know, I, I think my least favorite thing about a lot of action figures these days, you try to stand them up and they won't stand on their own. Oh, no, all the stood. turtles, yeah. all the toys were for the most part able to just, you chunk them down onto a desk, you play with them uh, and you have fun. So I, I, I really, you know, learned about the turtles through them and then of course, or, you know, through through my cousin and through the toys, but then as time went on, uh, got into uh, some of the animation. However, I still have yet to 
um, fully watch. I might have seen scenes from here and there, but I've yet to fully watch any of the the original '90s uh, live action <gasps> movies. Wow. And so I'd love to, Justin. You and I, we got to do a. I'd love to have like a movie night <laughs> sure. and watch all three. Yeah, I I would I would probably opt to not watch number three, but uh, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, no, I I um, you know, again, I I want to preface that I'm not necessarily a turtle super fan. Um, you know, knowing every ins and out of every character and their origin and, and all of that, uh, mm-hmm. because there is a lengthy history. Uh, not everything was established in the comics. A lot of it was established in the in the cartoon shows, and then they would find their way into future comics and uh, toys, as you mentioned. But yeah, I think very much similar to you, Nate, I was introduced to Ninja Turtles from my cousins, uh, and it was the cartoon show, and then it led into the toys, which also led into the video games as well. Uh, and yeah, I think my passion and love for the Ninja Turtles really ex- extends from a nostalgia. It's like the thing that I remember from my childhood. It's the thing that I remember being so obsessed about. I was obsessed with the cartoon show. I became obsessed with the toys and the video games. The first movie I ever saw in a movie theater was the original live action movie in 1990. This obsession took me by storm. It extended even to me being daycare uh and and convincing kids that we could dig a hole in the sandbox and that it would take us to the sewers where we would see the ninja, the ninja turtles so awesome. i i coerced a whole bunch of people and we did like we we worked a lot and we we got to the bottom of it and there was nothing. yeah so no it was trouble. it was a very sad 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 story but nonetheless it's it's one of those things that i just remember being so obsessed about as a kid and yeah. loving loving it so wholeheartedly which in a lot of ways branches into what we're doing now here at Geek Centric, talking about things that we love, uh, f- that are so rich in fandom, that are, are filled with nostalgia, that bring us back. You know, I-, I think in a lot of ways, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is sort of the beginning origin stories for me, as to why I'm I'm such a geek. So uh, you're telling so. me, Justin, that big hole that I've been digging for you in my backyard—that's for nothing? No, no, we, ah. we we abandoned that long ago, my friend, long ago. <laughs> Um, but listen, you know, before we get into the synopsis, uh, I just want to take a pause here and remind uh, our listeners that uh, here at Geekcentric, we support the Writers Guild of America and the Screen Actors Guild and American Federation of Television and Radio Artists as they strike to get the contract they deserve. Uh, without incredible writers and actors, we wouldn't get all the incredible stories that offer us escapes into fantastical worlds, heartfelt moments that provide us with perspective or mirrors of our own reality that allow us to look inward and reflect on how we can collectively do better. That's what the WGA and the SAG after are looking for studios to do better by them so that they can keep making these stories while supporting their family. So if you want to support the actors and writers of the things we love, you can do that by checking out the links in our show notes. All right, now let's get into the synopsis of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. After years of being sheltered from the human world, the Turtle Brothers set out to win the hearts of New Yorkers and be accepted as normal teenagers through heroic acts. Their new friend, April O'Neil, helps them take on a mysterious crime syndicate, but they soon get in over their heads when an army of mutants is unleashed upon them. This stars Micah Abbey, Shimon Brown Jr., Nicholas Cantu, Brady Noon, Ao Edibiri, Ice Cube, Jackie Chan, John Cena, Seth Rogen, Paul Rudd, Giancarlo Esposito, Post Malone, Hannibal Burez, Rose Byrne, and Maya Rudolph. This is directed by Jeff Rowe and co-directed by Kyle Spears from a screenplay by Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, Jeff Rowe, Dan Hernandez, and Benji Salmon. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem is in theaters and real 3D, apparently. Whoa. So it's going to be in 3D. Uh, August 2nd, so tomorrow, uh, based on when you're listening to this episode. Now, while we did collectively see this movie as part of an early fan event screening here in Toronto... Uh, And not uh, as part of a press screening, I still want to take a second to thank Paramount Pictures Canada uh, for giving us the opportunity to do a giveaway uh, where we gave fans uh, passes across Canada to see this movie earlier, even earlier than us. Uh, They actually saw it this this past weekend, Um, but we were so happy to send fans to see this movie uh, early ahead of its release. So huge thanks to Paramount Pictures Canada and the Tarot Group uh, for making that possible. And it was Uh, delightful to see some of the the posts that uh, that, uh, people posted. And I, I think one of my favorites is the fact that People were posting stuff with their kids, 
right? And I think that's yeah. such a lovely, lovely sentiment. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, you know, with that sentiment, I, I think it's, it's you know, as we usually do with our reviews, we're going to talk about what worked and what didn't work. And I, I've got some pillars, if you will. We'll talk about animation, voice cast, music, and we will uh, wrap things up with story. And through that, as you guys, as we go through it, please sound off what worked, what didn't work. Uh, animation is where I'd like to start. Uh, you know, we were, we were talking about it briefly after the movie and the strength of this movie is the animation and much like Into the Spider-Verse or Across the Spider-Verse or Mitchell's in the Versus Machines, you know, Mutant Mayhem continues to push the boundaries of animation and find its own unique style. Uh, a friend of the podcast, Eric Marchin from the Untitled Movie Podcast, uh, called it uh, grotesquely beautiful, which is incredibly fitting because the beauty is in the imperfection. It's it's the grunginess of the style. It's the lines outside of the lines that give this iteration of the Turtles the most refreshing reimagining that is so welcomed. Huge shout out to the entire team that brought this visual artistry to life. Like they should be incredibly proud of of, of what boundaries they pushed and it just it worked so friggin well. It was it was so well done. Yeah, it's 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 gorgeously animated and I love how um you know, it's funny because as we were watching it I was thinking like is this going to be in 3D because there were definitely moments of of you know ooze spewing out and 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 goo and gross stuff being shot <laughs> and at some the other screen things. and some other things being shot at the screen that's gross and and grotesque uh, but at the same time I think that beautiful aspect of the visuals the the lines drawn outside the lines um, the the sort of almost depth uh, between those lines on a singular item or a singular building or a structure um, really would lend itself well, I think, to to 3D. Um, but I, I like how the visuals matched the the vibes from the turtles themselves, right? Where you know it, it, it sort of the entire thing looked um, youthful and and looked mm -hmm. sort of like um, you know like a, a a book of doodles. Uh, that you would see in a high school student's book. And I think yep. that just fits so well um, where it it doesn't pull directly from Mitchell's versus the Machines or Spider-Verse, but it, it sort of does it in a way that complements. Continues the conversation. And continues that, yeah. right? It's yeah. so, so nice. And I think it's so unique and so fresh. Uh, and I'm just really happy that that this is the the visual style that we've landed on uh, for this, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, franchise going forward. Yeah, I think it was a very inventive way to take animation and put it towards a group of characters like this and a story like this where they are teenagers and it is it it doesn't play with regular boundaries like the human anatomy in this is not real yes. <laughs> and not normal and I'll be honest sometimes a little uncomfortable like, to look at. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is all part of it. I mean, personal taste, the human design was not for me. Mm -hmm. um, but again, very personal taste. I loved the design of the turtles and the other mutants. Um, I loved the landscape design in this movie. Uh, it was really beautiful to watch some of the, what you would call special effects, I guess, when there were explosions happening. The clouds of dust that came out had mm. like scribbles in it yeah, to make it doodles, feel yeah. like cloud of dust instead yeah. of actually being a cloud. It was so cool. Mm -hmm. um, it was exciting to watch the texture, like you were saying, yeah. the grunge of the design was yeah. really, really intriguing to look at. And um, I would also say maybe a little too much movement sometimes mm. with how intense the design was. Uh, it was really eye-catching, but also hard to pay attention to one thing at, at some moments, um, just with a lot of action going on sometimes. Um, but again, really graphically cool yes. to look at. I would say cool. Yeah. Well, I think it's the it's that character modeling that sort of fuels that sort of nostalgic feeling, right? In the sense For that sure. like, and I don't just mean like the 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 turtles animation specifically of the of the 80s and 90s but i i liked how for the i did i was on the opposite side of you there megan yeah. with the humans where i liked the there was no consistent shape um it reminded me a lot of of shows like hey arnold and beavis and butthead where <laughs> you would just sort of have like character like there's a character in this that doesn't 
the neck doesn't separate from the head. Like there's no chin. <laughs> it's just the weirdest looking thing. But it, it, it just, I don't know, something in me just sort of brought me back to that place of those those cartoons that I would watch growing up. And because the, the characters, I think both in this and in those cartoons are so captivating and so much fun and, and there's so much sort of vibrancy to how, you know, cartoony and animated they were. I didn't. I, I. I. wasn't. You know, upset by it, or it didn't. At no point in time was I like, man, I, these aren't humans. What? Like it's just. It was just. It all. Fits I think within it's in that world, and I thought it was. It was really fun. I think it's also kind of, in a way, to design the humans as imperfect. Um, totally. You know what I mean? And I think that like the the turtles are designed pretty clean, and all of their looks are very reminiscent of past iterations of the turtles. Like for instance, Leonardo's look felt very similar to Leonardo from the live action movies in the 90s. Whereas uh, Raphael obviously looks more like the current iterations from like the Nickelodeon cartoons, a bit thicker, a bit taller, full bandana. And the same can be said about Donnie, who, whose look felt very reminiscent to that of the Nickelodeon cartoons, you know, the glasses over top of the, of the bandana. Um, and, and, and Mikey, I love the, the addition of braces. Um, I like that he's also still shorter than, than the rest of the turtles, uh, very similar to, to the live action movies. Uh, but I also really love the color palette. I think the color palette for each of the turtles is great. Uh, very unique. They're not all the same green, which is fantastic. And while we're, we're talking about uh, color palette, uh, I think a lot can be said about the color palette of this world. I mentioned the word grunge. You, you mentioned it as well, Meg. I think that extends into the color palette as well. There's oh, a, yeah. There's a level of, of, of grunge and murkiness and darkness that New York is sort of painted in. And there's these right amount of pops of color in the right places that just kind of break that. There's moments within this movie where there is like this sort of neon black light vibe yeah. that goes on that really helps to elevate and enhance, uh, again, all the colors. It's incredible that this movie can be both dark and bright mm -hmm. and vibrant uh, all at the same time, while still giving a really authentic approach to the lighting and the spatial environment that feels gritty and real and very reminiscent of the original live-action 1990s movie. See, I, I think um, I think that for me that was maybe the only part that I, I sort of was taken back, uh, back a little bit by with the with the visual style was. Um, I think there is a lot of this movie, and I get it. Don't get me wrong. It, they, they can't go against the brand. Like, they, the turtles have to remain hidden in the shadows. They have to, you know, it's in the sewers. Like, I completely understand at night. Um, but I just, I just felt like, and this is something I think that absolutely uh, will be resolved, you know, with hopefully that forecoming uh, animated show and, and, and hopefully sequel. As colorful as the movie is with purples and greens, um, I think my favorite visuals were when the characters were standing near fire or near a street lamp and you get mm -hmm. those those pops of orange and and the world is a little bit brighter and I, I completely understand that like thematically as well even to a degree narratively yes I think the the it's use of, of that exactly. is, is purposeful oh, I completely yeah. understand that I just for myself I think you know for for the incredible work that these artists are doing and these background artists mm -hmm. um, are doing as well I just I think I, I would be able to appreciate that work a little bit more if the movie was lit just a little bit better but again that that's that's a minor gripe for me from a visual standpoint yeah I think I think the color was meant to set the mood though depending on what scene you're in mm -hmm. like you were saying there's some it feels like they're in a black light scene it sets this like uncomfortable I'm not sure if I should be here kind of vibe and then the bright orange tones of fire around them um, some moments where it's almost like pitch black in the entire mm. background of the scene and then one neon color shining on all of them so it's almost this like overtone on top of their regular color script I don't know it was, I, I agree with you Justin the color <laughs> sorry Nate but I the color of the film was really cool to see take all these different arcs. I just wonder if that murkiness that you described earlier, Megan, I'm just I'm wondering if that would have been a solve for this is is to sure. have a little bit more light. Maybe you would have seen the movement. The a movement bit would have been. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's for kind sure. of where I was going with that. I think I think a lot of it does have to do with tonally taking this iteration of the turtles outside of the poppy overly kid, you know, vibrancy 
that that the, the franchise has, has kind of committed to. Like we we sure. I think it was last year we watched the the rise, the of, rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yeah, movie, which, yeah, which was very traditional Nickelodeon animation, vibrant colors. But you know, in this movie, they're playing with mood, lighting, and colors that feels more reminiscent of the original 1990s live yeah, action movie. True. Which like it's all about the shadows. You know what what that movie. You know even though you know, it was so many years ago, what a lot of fans, or at least for myself, I'll, I'll speak for myself here, what I appreciated is that it attempted to take itself seriously by ingraining it in a, a real-world lighting situation, and it sure. felt very mm-hmm. authentic to that. And if that's I, what they were going for, then yeah. They and I think that's what they were that, going yeah. for with this, yeah. and I think, you know, it, it in, in a lot of ways, like we're saying, it's Dark Knight-ish, if you will, in some of its, its tendencies, uh, but there's so much life that comes off of the screen, and a lot of that has to do with the fantastic voice cast that we that we get. Uh, I listed off uh, all of them, um, and I, I I think collectively they all come together. But I'm just gonna say this about the voice cast: the beauty of all of these performances is the improvisation in the dialogue, the authentic, yeah. real moments that match the animation's imper- imperfections at times. You know, teenagers talking over one another at moments yeah. or mm-hmm. or things that feel like they could have been accidents in the sound booth found their way into this movie that feel again more authentic and deliver a real comedic moment i think that that is the beauty of this voice cast uh, apart from just performances i'm sure you guys will, will list some of your favorites but <laughs> high level you know this is teenagers these are teenagers yeah. the turtles are teenagers the first time and i, I think seth seth rogan has has pitched like he pitched it perfectly every iteration has been of men as teenagers this is teenagers as teenagers and it really really works and they truly let them be teenagers i think one of the best the the best idea they had was putting those four kids in a room while they recorded together that was the smartest thing to do with these guys because it shows that they enjoyed themselves and they were having fun and interact actually interacting with each other while saying these lines and like you said there definitely were improvisation moments because nobody could have written some of the things that they say because none of us know that lingo yeah. <laughs> but i going off that megan i i Completely agree with you, and I, 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 I think it's you know it's one thing to sort of see a performance of of actors acting and say, wow, their chemistry is so strong. But I think from an animation standpoint, for that to come through so much in their voices uh, is incredibly impressive. And I think Nicholas Cantu, uh, Brady Noon, um, Micah Abbey, and Shimon Brown Jr. are just. They're just so stellar they're and I, I just they're so charming. And I think within the first 15 minutes, not only do they make it perfectly clear that you're you're listening, you're hearing voices of teenagers. They're also so incredibly relatable. I mean, I'm in love with the fact yeah. that my favorite turtle, who's Mikey, is just as big of an Adele fan as I am. <laughs> uh, I think that's awesome. And I love how how bold they were with how many modern references to pop culture that we got. Uh, and, and I think not only does that add humor and, and things that like sort of all audiences can connect with, but it also works so well for the story showing just how obsessed these turtles are with the outside world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought the, you know, to your points, like the ability for them just to sort of be like, yeah, bring up, bring up a movie or bring up something that you, you, you love or that you connect with, you know, um, you know, with, with Donnie being so stoked about, you know, anime, I could, I could totally see Micah Abbey maybe being, you know, a super anime fan and, and just bringing up those aspects that helped inform uh, his character and the writing for this, this movie. I just, ah, they're so good. They're, the turtles were yeah. Phenomenal. They were they were the highlight, and you know they they definitely it's it's called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for a reason, <laughs> and I think that this is the most as you said, Nate, the most relatable iteration of the turtles that 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 I think we've ever gotten. In, yeah. in all honesty, I, I think that mm-hmm. again, going back to Seth Rogen's you know initial pitch of wanting to make it teenagers, I think that that is what really does ground this 
in that relatability, in that in that plausibility, is is having authentic teenagers act this out. But you know, as as we're saying, they are the heart of the movie. They are surrounded by an incredible cast. Um, I'm not sure. I, I think Nate, you might have been a little indifferent about Ice Cube as Superfly, but I thought he was great. I think he brought his Ice Cubeness uh, to to the Very role, so. which was which is great. You know, I'll, I'll never get over the fact that he, you know he he get mentions that line uh, 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 six in the morning and police are at my door, which is actually an iced tea reference yeah uh which i think is absolutely hilarious that you know ice cube <laughs> is referencing ice tea rather than ice cube um which means that ice tea is apparently canon in in uh in, in teenage Love mutant it. Ninja Turtles. i mean a lot of things are canon right yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. um but yeah how who, who, were there any other standouts for you guys in voice cast well just a really quick um I, I i didn't so much have a problem with ice cube as i did uh with the character of Superfly. Superfly. I think there was You're a little bit one. left to be desired. Um, and we'll we'll maybe talk about that when we do talk about the story. But, um, I mean, Jackie Chan, holy oh. crap, is <laughs> yeah. like pulling at my heartstrings left at right and center. Um, absolutely phenomenal. Um, Ayo Edebiri, I mean, what a phenomenal year she's having. I just She keeps popping up all over the place in all these movies, uh, and rightly so. She's so talented, and she's so... She's such a, a, a wonderful April O'Neil, and, and it's just awesome to see how, you know, her story is reflected uh, similarly to the Turtles. Um, and then also, just high level, I just gotta shout out Paul Rudd, because oh, freaking yeah. <laughs> Mondo Gecko, like, he's just the coolest character. He's so much fun, and he's just... I want to be friends with him so bad. Mm-hmm. He Mondo Gecko is Paul Rudd in yes. an alternate universe. <laughs> yeah, like, hundred <laughs> percent. Well, I think he same, just played himself. Yeah, yeah, and I think the same could be said about every single voice actor that lended their voice to this. Totally. Uh, I, I think that uh, you know Rose Byrne. We didn't get enough of her, but you know hers. I wanted was, more of her. Was was fantastic. Which one was she? She was Leatherhead, uh, the crocodile. Oh yes, yeah, the Aussie. I think it was Aussie. Yeah, it was Aussie. Yeah. I think yep. they went Aussie with it, right? So, mm-hmm. um, yep. but yeah, I think, you, you know, again, the thing about this voice cast is that they really do come together as as really just embracing, I think I get, like you like you were saying, parts of themselves infusing that into their their characters. Uh, you know, Seth Brogan as, as Bebop and John Cena as, oh. as, uh, as Rocksteady. Uh, such, such great casting. It's perfect. And hopefully... Uh, we'll get to see more of these characters in, in future future iterations. Um, okay, another part of this movie that I really really enjoyed uh, was the music, um, not just the 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 pop culture soundtrack, uh, you know that that we got, <laughs> but very much uh, the the score from uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus mm-hmm. Ross. I think that this duo has such a unique sound that was perfect for this movie and really had an emotional range that helped guide the story. Um, I really enjoyed how they obviously infused different styles of music. There's obviously this very uh, prevalent 80s, 90s synth style that you know, just harkens back to the origins of the Ninja Turtles. But also there was this moment where we got some video game style music. And, and as we all know, there is a huge library of video games in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles canon so you know this all comes together really really well the music adds the right punch to the action it also really accentuated the more heartfelt emotional moments and i think trent reznor and atticus ross were the perfect choice just because of how much dimension they were able to add to this already multi-dimensional multi-layered movie with animation and voice acting you know the music still stands out as something that is top tier of this movie i put i put the the album on the way home and uh, download it immediately, obviously. <laughs> um, but uh, like, yeah, like '80s synth vibes is something that you know. Obviously, I think you'd res- you'd you'd expect from these composers. But um, alongside like beautiful, really beautiful piano tracks, like really soft piano moments. Um, and then the coolest thing that I was just reading uh, before we got started here is that there's a song, and I think I did notice it um, in the climax of the film, uh, that's inspired by Attack on Titan, um, which is so funny because I think it's just, it's awesome how even the music, how they're, you know, you mentioned, Justin, they're paying homage to all the stuff that came before, but they're also paying homage to the things that these turtles, that these characters, you know, hold so close to their hearts. And I Mm -hmm. just love that it highlights Donnie's love of anime uh, at the same time. And we always talk about how, you know, important 
the 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 score is and the music is uh, in these movies to really you know help you feel all these emotions as the movie goes on. And yeah, dude, they they really nailed, they nailed this. it. And yeah. it's and I love like I think the 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 great part about listening to the soundtrack is like the songs are like quick. Like they're like mm-hmm. they're like a minute, two minutes long, um, because I mean this movie itself is only what like an hour and forty four, forty four ish minutes. So like yeah. you know they've they've got to they have to move, but like it's it's just I don't know. I think they did such a really really fantastic job with uh, with the, with the tracks on this alongside the the hip hop anthems that yes. I think popped up <laughs> like at least like some of them like t- two times in the movie, three times. There was the one that, that obviously like um, can I kick it? Can I kick it? Is 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 Actually, part I think of the, of the theme of yes, of, yeah. of this movie. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that the 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 balance of of pop culture soundtrack elements with the Trent Reznor Atticus Ross score really does balance the the tone and the vibe. Vibes. Uh, vibe. We like, vibed. Yeah. We so yeah, it's vibing. We're vibing. <laughs> feels so retro <laughs> and feels so of its of a of a time when you know the turtles were very relevant. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like yeah. it, it's it's a call. It's it's that loving callback to the the '90s and '80s in in the music capacity that just that brings in that that feeds in that nostalgia. Uh, and I will say there is an Easter egg for a, a Ninja Turtle song, which if anyone who's a fan of Ninja Turtles, they'll they'll catch it. Ooh. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a great soundtrack to listen to, and it really helped. It helped tell the story, as most soundtracks mm-hmm. do. But yeah. I felt like. It was it was that music that you notice but you don't notice mm-hmm. because it just works perfectly and it did not leave me saying what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think I think again, yeah, it's it's a, a layer that adds so much more to this movie and it's just so uniquely different. I know Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross have done they did Soul, didn't they? They yeah. did they did they did Soul. That's where that piano comes from. For yeah, sure. exactly. Uh, okay. So and mm-hmm. I think that the fact that they were able to bring that sensibility but also bring a lot of like I, I don't know i hear a lot of like the social network the stuff that they did there with that sort of frantic you know synthy sort of vibes but then you know you know bring us into some very heartfelt moments like you were saying nate it's mm-hmm. just it, tonally it was it was so it had such range a little bit of spider verse inspiration yeah absolutely yeah. a little bit sure. no there gooses was... no gooses but no you know, but there was some no. record scratches for, for sure. sure yeah uh yeah. and yeah shout out to four non blondes and bts that's all I'm yes. going to say. Yes. <laughs> For sure, BTS. Um, okay, so last thing, let's let's talk about the story because I think this is where uh, we we will probably collectively have what worked and what didn't work, uh, yeah. more so before we get into our final thoughts. So, you know, I think just to kind of kick things off with the, with the story, I think it's not perfect. It's definitely not perfect, but they, they, they got more right than they did wrong. And mm-hmm. I think that the problem with the story is, is that in a lot of ways, it feels very stop and go towards the end. Like we're amped into action, then yeah. we're stopping, then we're going, and then we're stopping. And I think this is layered with these emotional beats that they really are trying to hit, which do land. It's just they're just not they're just poorly placed in in the, <laughs> yeah. in the yeah. overall pacing of this movie, and, and especially towards the final act. We've we've talked a lot about final act movies really rushing. I feel like this didn't necessarily rush. It just kind of like felt very stop and go, stop and go, stop and go until we got to the end, which just made for a very clunky third act in my opinion i think the 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 third act of this movie the final big sequence that you would expect is wasn't surprising um it was very much what you'd expect from you know sort of this this (laughs) sort of animated but also origin story of the turtles right um i will say on a positive side for that story the it there's a a really just simple theme and the theme is acceptance and I think it's it's awesome because it's we talked about how how we were so happy and stoked like when the first trailers came out and we're like they're teenagers yes like it's it's I love how the theme of acceptance is so closely tied into the experiences of growing up right and it works so well for the concept of teenage mutant ninja turtles yes. and we see them experiencing just wanting to belong um like pretty much every other teenager but they they also brought in um april o'neill with with she had this you know the same goal right the same mm-hmm. sort of you know what they they both wanted sort of the same things um but in different ways and in ways that that worked for them and and just 
you know, by the end of it, you're sort of just given a, a like, a, like a hell yeah for like, yeah. you know, like a cowabunga for, 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 you know, not just the there's turtles, a lot of moments April yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I just, I, I, I really, really enjoyed the, the theming, but, but yes, the, the spots where it just sort of like normally I, I don't like to check my watch uh when i'm when i'm in a movie um mm-hmm. if i do that means that something's not working right for me uh and there were definitely a few moments where i i checked my watch mm. yeah i i as somebody who has never had any sort of reference to the teenage mutant ninja turtles before i am thankful that there was a a like origin story yeah. in this movie i did get to learn who they were and where they came from and how they became who they are um so i'm thankful for that and i love the teen silliness the boy humor the teen boy humor is <laughs> fantastic and so great but also layered with this like super heartfelt story that is relatable to anybody who has ever been a teenager before and um, I think that shone a lot in this movie. But I mean, I totally agree with both of you. It definitely started to lag in that third act. Um, I didn't know if it was just because I had to really pee. <laughs> right. But it, it was I was like trying so hard not to pull my phone out of my bag to check what time it was because yeah. I was like, this is a short movie. It shouldn't feel like I'm like, when's it ending? No, I, I don't think the timing, like the, the, the length of it was the problem. But I think as we were talking about, it's, it's sort of the balance and pacing of these, mm-hmm. of this larger theme story, which you guys are absolutely right. Like they nail that. They, they nail the idea of brotherhood. They nail the idea of acceptance. You know, these are yeah. strong themes that as you both have mentioned, makes it super relatable to all audiences. And I think that's going to be the crowning achievement of this movie uh, is is how it's able to take the turtles and make them super relatable for right now in with, yeah. a, with a core theme. And I, a lot of that has to do with, in my opinion, with Seth Rogen's sensibility of of doing these coming of age stories. This 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 had super bad vibes to it. Yeah, oh opinion. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's one of the most successful teen comedy movies ever. So you know, to to have that formula sort of layered in and interjected in this this animated movie that doesn't go as crude as Super Bad, but still has fun with it and the idea that they are teenagers, sensible somewhat sensible teenagers <laughs> i i think that that's that has a lot to do with that that vision in that direction of of keeping it focused on teenagers starting with with rogan and, and his his ability to do that but i honestly think that this the the outside of the pacing issues they nailed so much right with with how they depicted the turtles for example in past iterations we see leonardo uh, as already a full-fledged leader and here he's 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 kind of discovering himself he's learning how to become a leader how to earn the respect of his brothers while they mock him and make fun of him and there's this great moment where you see him be this leader and see him become this leader but the same can be said about all the turtles they're all really trying to figure themselves out they're not those completed turtle heroes that you know we've seen in other iterations they're still figuring their shit out and i think that that is 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 such a interesting way to layer that in as part of their origin story uh, as teenagers trying to figure themselves out and understand themselves and who they are as heroes and tying in this theme of of wanting to seek acceptance from others and we do get to see growth not only from the turtles not only from april o'neill um but also um from Splinter as well, mm-hmm. and I really love the the aspect, the sort of the 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 growth that he goes through as a father. Um, mm-hmm. And I will tr- I will try to be as spoiler. F- I'm, this is a spoiler free. Don't worry. Uh, I will say though, with Superfly, I, I as much as I enjoyed Ice Cube in the role, and I think that's such a Superfly, like it's it's perfect. <laughs> I I do I do find that the way that they sort of wrote that character was just it was a it was a little more surface level than I would have wanted them to. Um, I think they do a really interesting thing to tie uh, his experience, yeah, to um, to another character's experience. And I, again, I'm, I don't want to spoil it, but I I just think that as great as that was, the the final end result and that that sort of third act, just as I said. You're not going to be surprised from it. It was very conventional. It felt very first movie. And I get it. It's the first movie. Um, But I think where the success is in giving us a movie that 
so perfectly uh, gives us an origin story that you know diehard fans are like, this is so much fun. I don't even care that I'm seeing it for the 900th time. Um, but but and and still introduces new people. I think that's such a huge success. The sort of the where they lost me with the villain was just it was it was made even more apparent. I think. I also think that there were too many characters involved with Superfly. Like, I don't know if all of them are references to comics to the old. You they're know, like if all they're toys that were made up because they amazing. Money. Well, yes and no. I know toys are obviously yeah. a big part of the Ninja Turtles lore, but comic books, video games. Sure. Uh, they 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 went to the pool and they pulled a lot of characters for this. Yeah, I just I felt like maybe we would have been able to capitalize on Superfly a little bit more if there weren't so many, yeah, so many characters like fogging his story. And like, I also think it's a disservice to those voice actors that they got like five lines throughout the entire movie, maybe. And I can't really remember all of them. Yeah, but sure. as yeah. as somebody who doesn't know anything right. about the yeah. the stories, they're a lot I, of fun. Um, but maybe those characters could have been introduced in in the series in in certain episodes or something well, like that. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, what I, what what I will say about because you guys have mentioned the origin story, I, the origin story I actually thought was one of the more refreshing parts. They yeah. they had oh, liberties with it. They 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 did they they switched some things up. Um, they didn't give you everything. Um, and usually there's certain characters that are associated with the origin story. The Shredder was not a thing. And mm-hmm. the reality of talking about mutants and talking about what they actually are, uh, you know, that was the sequel in in uh, to the 1990 movie, Secret of the Ooze. Uh, and, Ooh. you know, here it's it's very much the 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 narrative uh bridge if you will the narrative connectivity through through it all is 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 the ooze so i enjoyed that they focused on that aspect for this first movie i think that that mm-hmm. that works really really well but you're right there's a lot of characters and and who knows i i, I you know it would be great to see how those characters come back in in some capacity because many sure. of them are bound to uh in, in some ways so i i think again while not perfect it got a lot of things right, and it, it still had fun with it. And and you're going to laugh your face off. Oh, yeah. oh dude, the humor <laughs> so in it is funny. just so funny. It's, yeah. it is, it is a, it's the perfect example of a, a, a great summer movie because it's got the comedy, it's got the heart, and it's got the action. Yeah. So, oh, and the action, too. Like, oh, yeah. you know, and I, truly all ages. Yeah, so good. exactly. Truly. Yeah. So good. There's, there is a, I, all I want to do, just really quickly, <laughs> I know we're, you're going all over the place, but, but there is a sequence that you just sort of get to see sort of a montage of fighting almost in like a side scrolling oh. sort of frame video game style a video That's, game style yeah. and dude i i was literally like i normally try not to say too much when jess is next to me because i know he hates it, but like i was just like dude like i was like whoa and we were just yeah. both like i could tell we were both freaking out together because it was so yeah, they cool did, they, they have fun yeah. with the visual style of how they tell things like i know things moved pretty fast like you were saying before but you know in in relation to the story and how they do a moment like that where they do a series of montages with the oh, fight sequence or the slow perfect. motion yeah. like when they did do the slow motion and you were able to see things it really does pop in relation to some of those fast moments where you're yeah. not able to catch flips and turns and those sort of things mm-hmm. right um so so much of a, a a different again vibe that is is so inherently unique to this movie, Love um, I think we've blown enough smoke up this movie's ass. Or <laughs> I have, uh, and I think that might be the perfect time to just wrap things up here with our final thoughts and our score, which will be out of one to five canisters of ooze. Ooh, Meg, why don't we start with you? <laughs> uh, absolutely. As someone who knew absolutely nothing about these teen turtles going into the movie, I still got the backstory I needed. Wasn't too much, but it's just right. And I had so much fun. From the dazzling action sequence, like we literally just talked about, to the super sketchy art style, this was a super creative blast of nostalgia and pop culture all in one big bin of ooze. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wasn't always interested in certain stylistic choices, and the story lost me at a couple of moments, um, definitely at the beginning of Act 3, but I still really enjoyed all of the performances. The soundtrack had me rocking in my seat, and I'm super excited for people to check this one out. So I am going to be giving this a four out of five giant barrels of ooze. Whoa. 
canisters? They were supposed to be canisters. canisters? But <laughs> if you want to put that in giant barrels, I mean, I'm sure, sure. that's more ooze. I don't know what you're, what you're, what you're cooking, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Nate, how about yourself? Uh, well, you know, let me just t- be the first to say this movie oozes with charm. Oh my god! Uh, sorry. <laughs> to make sure I said that one. Um, no, you know what? This is this movie is every turtle fan's dream. Uh, I think it's a it's a wonderful adaptation and it's a wonderful introduction. Um, you know, for you know, we've got fans that have been fans since the 80s and the 90s and then like I was saying at the top of the show, they get to introduce this to their kids, their loved ones, uh, and just, you know, loved ones like like Megan who've just never experienced the turtles uh, before. Um, and I think it's just it's awesome because the this version of the char- of the characters i think more than ever show just how well they stand the test of time um they're they're just so they're they're so well adapted and i think the movie perfectly blends nostalgia with modern day references uh and you know modern comedy that gives a a refreshing but at the same time authentic representation of the turtles that we haven't had on the big screen since the nineties. And I, I think that's, that's a really hard thing to pull off the, the, the true authentic for the fans and the new, new for the, for the, for the people <laughs> joining for the first time. That's, that's not an easy thing to pull off. And they, I really think they did it. Um, I adored my time with this movie. And as we were just saying, like, you're going to laugh so much. Um, the cast was excellent. Uh, and, and really, they, I think it, it, they just the entire cast gave a lot to um, set up this this world for these characters going forward. And I really hope, you know, to to your point, Megan, that we do get to s- sort of see some of the additional cast shine uh, a little bit more in the future. I think the plot, as we were saying, a little loose, messy uh, in the middle and third act. Um, but the fact that they were able to tell an origin story you know, as as I was saying, that, that Turtle fans have heard so many times, but they do it differently um, and still be able to introduce these new audiences to it at the same time. Absolutely rad. Uh, and the soundtrack, come on, so good. It just, it's it's the previous scores, it's the themes, it's the modern hip-hop anthems, and, and, and then Donnie's love of anime infused in there. Uh, this year is a ama- it's a banger year for animation. Like, it's oh, yeah. just crazy how good animation has been this year um and it's going to be insane at the oscars uh and just going forward just to see what you know anyone anyone can win and i think i'd be so happy and so proud for these teams um so i'm going to give teenage mutant ninja turtles uh, a solid rock steady four out of five canisters of not giant barrels giant (laughs) massive ocean fulls of ooze Awesome. Yeah, I um it's it's interesting cuz the turtle fan in me wants to give this obviously a 5 out of 5. I, <laughs> of course, I think that of this is this is uh perfection uh in terms of the realization of the characters, uh the way they told the origin story, the way they made it fun, relatable, personable. And that has a lot to do with the vision of focusing on the teenagers. You know, the voice acting was top notch. It, it brought back nostalgic vibes in in you know, and, but but this, you know, refreshingly uh, unique animation style that is just a huge celebration of of wanting to tell this story at, at a time when I, I think it's the most relatable. I think it's the most um, you know relevant as well. You know we've seen th- other stories that you know have a lot of um, similar themes and morals, but what's great is that they're taking all of that and fusing it into the Ninja Turtles, and it works so well. And to your point, Nate, that's what makes the turtle stand the test of time and really, you know, the most relatable and relevant uh, story that we've ever seen. Now, I've always wanted to see a live action Ninja Turtles movie again. Uh, that's sort of in the same vein as a, the 1990s original that took itself seriously, that gave it the the, the Nolan vibes, if you will. Right. The Michael Bay one didn't work for you, Justin. No, those were all awful. <laughs> and and uh, I, I think, you know, a sense of practical effects and stuff like that. And what's really interesting about at least this animated movie is that if that never happens, we still have this fantastic iteration that embraces that original 1990s live action movie, but takes it further with, again, more stronger themes and using animation as a means to tell a very 
unique story and also give this movie a very unique style. And of course, we know we're going to get a series on Paramount Plus. We're going to get a sequel. So this movie is going to do well. I think that it's going to grab the new fans, like you were saying, Nate, but it's also going to hit the turtle fans really well, uh, like like myself. Hard um, in the but shell. yeah, there are. Yeah, it's, it's going to hit them right in the exactly. shell. It's going to hit them right in the shell. There you go. I, I came up with that. Um, but look, like we were saying, it's not perfect. Uh, I yeah. think it suffers from a clunky middle and third act that just felt very stop and go, stop and go. Like you were mentioning, Nate, Superfly's character seems really basic and really only served a purpose in a one moment when there's a realization that two characters have more in common than they would think. But while that really worked, and, and many of the themes and, and the, the points that they were driving home do land, I think, again, this mixture of trying to infuse you know, over-the-top action with heartfelt moments, it just felt like a mishmash and it affected the pacing, kind of stinted the action. But that said, this did not, you know, affect my enjoyment of the movie. I really loved this movie. And like I was saying, they got more things right than they did wrong. Um, this is probably one of the best iterations of the Ninja Turtles, and I think fans are going to love it. Uh, so for that reason, I'm giving this movie a 4.5 out of 5. Whoa! Okay, Canisters okay. of ooze. I, <laughs> that I really ooze is loved dripping it. out. That, it's that, dripping. That extra point, no, but that extra point five does stem from, a, I guess I will just say it, a very biased nature of loving this movie for as a Turtles fan. I yeah. think that there, there's so much That's it got okay. right, and... Um, you know, I, I enjoy it. So this this was this was a great time and, and it definitely doesn't didn't disappoint as uh, as my most anticipated for 2023. Boom. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that is it for us. We hope you enjoyed our spoiler free review for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, which is in theaters August 2nd and Real D 3D. Uh, which is tomorrow. So you can you can get your tickets if you haven't already. And and once you see the movie, if you want to let us know your thoughts, uh, you know, what turtle was your favorite? Uh, who was your favorite mutant outside of the turtles? Well, you can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or if that feels like you're living in a sewer, uh, well, you know, you can reach out to us on, uh, uh, what do they call it now? Twitter? The, the app formerly known as Twitter. Yeah, uh, you can reach us on the it. app formerly known as Twitter at GeekcentricYT. Or uh, you can reach out to us on Instagram and threads at We Are Geekcentric and TikTok. We're, we're on there. Also, if you want to keep the conversation going with us, please join us on our Discord. Uh, link is in the show notes. Uh, we'll be opening up a spoiler room for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem once the movie hits theaters August 2nd. Keep in mind, we also have a ton of other great episodes covering the latest movies and TV shows, like our spoiler-free review for Disney's Haunted Mansion, Oppenheimer, The Bear season two and they so cloned good. tyrone uh all available now for you to listen to we also just wrapped our uh watch club for marvel studios secret invasion yeah. nate had uh spooner aka alan on the show uh they got into all things secret invasion be grateful that i wasn't on that episode nate uh, <laughs> oh man you would have would have been a, a, i would have gone yeah, off been rough. uh but it's still a great listen uh some great conversation to be had when i will say when the shows are are kind of um when they're not what we want when they when they disappoint us and and we're still covering them week to week um in those moments i will say i usually go into these episodes feeling like oh no we got to talk about this and by the end of it it's kind of like a nice like geeky therapy it's a therapy session. session. You know it what is. I mean? We it's just definitely, get to like you wanna, vent, our, vent on it. If you want to hear us vent and maybe share in some of that therapeutic yeah. relief, uh, do so. Uh, all episodes are available on podcast feeds right now. Uh, so you can enjoy uh, what are our episodes of the coverage of Secret Invasion, probably more so than the series. Um, <laughs> uh, listen, we got a lot more on the way. We got another watch club around the corner corner for Ahsoka. Uh, we got some more spoiler-free reviews for Only Murders in the Building. And we will probably be bringing back This Week in Geek uh, over the next couple of weeks uh, to kind of facilitate some more news discussions. Nate, Meg, thank you so much for joining me for this spoiler-free review. And as we say, it's pizza time. Love ya. Bye. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> <laughs>